Welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses. In a week that saw David Ojabo become the first Aberdonian drafted by an NFL site, Ricky Foster fighting with his own fans, we finally, on an episode of Red Tinted Glasses, have an Aberdeen win to discuss. It feels like it's been a while. So, so much so that Callum has actually departed. We will see positivity on this episode, because I know a lot of you said we were a bit too negative on last week's episode. But joining me in Callum's absence, I'm delighted to welcome a man that many of you may know more for his tattoo of Christian Ramirez. It is Philip Mayer. Philip, welcome to the show. Hello, Glenn. Thank you very much for having me on. I, th- I think the tattoo point is is very accurate, um, which is upsetting that that's what I'm known for now. But yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, I'm just like, trying to help you extend your 15 minutes of fame by yeah, letting you exactly. on, on the podcast. But uh, I suppose with um, normally having a co-host that is very much into the NBA, it felt um, appropriate to get yourself on. And at least I've now got someone on that loves Formula One as much as me as well. Well, that's what I'm saying. I've got, I've got the Rick 3 hat on. Yes, I know. Like my shocking barn at the moment. Yeah, I spotted the Danny Rick um, merchandise. Big fan of that. See, I can't wear my Max Verstappen stuff because it doesn't look good <laughs> wearing orange on an Aberdeen podcast. But as much as it would be pleasurable speaking about Formula One, we do have to speak about Aberdeen on the podcast we are here to speak about the Dons win over Dundee and Jim Goodwin coming out after the game saying three points were all that mattered. It didn't matter how they came about. I think that's pretty much a fair assessment of the 90 minutes that most of us sat through this weekend. Yeah, no, I would I would definitely say so. I think I said similar. I think I put a tweet up after the game, which was basically three points is three points. And with, with the scrap we've been in recently, it was very much needed any which way it came so um, it's fine to just finally see a win at Pataudry and what feels like forever even though I think the last one was Hibs which wasn't yeah it wasn't that wasn't that long <laughs> but it was only the second league win of 2022 that we've managed to record but yeah um, two of those as you rightly say coming at home the win does put us now eight points ahead of St Johnson who suffered a 1-0 defeat to St Mirren and we have a 20 goal difference better off than the Perth Saints do you feel that's kind of relaxed this mild panic that was sweeping not only across this podcast but across social media and the Aberdeen support in the build-up to this Dundee game is it safe to say the relegation fears are over? I would say yes. I don't want to be definitive. I mean, I can't see us losing three and St Johnston winning three, which is quite nice. Um, yeah. But I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be happy until next week's over, and we've hopefully better St Johnston's St Johnston's result. But, um, but yeah, just I think, yeah, it's just fine to finally have that little bit of relief. Um, and I think you could kind of feel that at full time on Saturday, mm-hmm. as I think everybody just kind of relaxed. Yeah, was very good. Yeah, I mean, as I said, you don't you don't want to be definitive on the matter. It's obviously not mathematically safe, and um, that you know there is a possibility St Johnson can still catch us. Obviously, that the goal difference does possibly help us in in our favour. But you know, hopefully, this weekend coming against Hibs, we can put the maths behind us and 
seal our place in the Premiership for next season. I think, though, an, an important point as well is it's a, it's a clean sheet as well that we got this weekend. It's just our fifth of the season, but the four of them coming at home, I suppose that's that's one positive from the weekend as well, not just the three points. Yeah, no, um, and I, th- I think it's a clean sheet issue, which makes me not want to come <laughs> out and say we're going to be safe because we're just we're just shipping goals away for fun at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, obviously, it's um, it's a bit of a worry when when you're conceding as much as as we have been. Because I think it's something we've not really been used to mm-hmm. um, the past few seasons, we've, especially at Petardry, we've always been quite a solid team defensively. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, this will maybe now. Be, be the start of things uh, getting better going forward but with um, with Bates' performance I'm not um, I'm not going to hold my breath Yeah uh, we'll come on to the centre-back pairing and maybe look at a little bit into the, the job required by Jim Goodwin in the summer but we'll look at the lineup and how the Dons approach the game on Saturday it seems to be a 4-4-2 formation with Ross McCrory suspended after his red card against Livingston Christian Ramirez Return to the starting 11, replacing the Red Tinted Glasses Player of the Year. And we also saw Calvin Ramsey, obviously a lot of speculation going around his future off the field. He returned in place of Funzo Ojo. Again, I normally ask Callum this question. How did you feel on seeing that starting lineup? I suppose a quite a positive looking lineup, very attacking with both Marley Watkins and Ramirez starting. Yeah, it was, I mean, for, for what we had at our disposal, it was probably the best we could have put out. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, having McCrory out was was a big miss. Yeah. Um, but on, on paper, it was, a, it was a really attacking lineup. Um, I just, I don't know, I just found, I think it was Ramirez's role more than anything in that 4-4-2 mm-hmm. um, as, as the game developed, which kind of frustrated me. Um, it almost seemed like he was affected by a direct swap for McCrory. Um at times you can tell if he was playing up front with Watkins or if he was playing in midfield. And mm-hmm. um, so that would probably be my only gripe. And do you think that was more do you think that's more down to the player not knowing the role or because you know there's been a lot of talk about Ramirez's future and whether he's you know quote unquote chucked it. Do you think it was just that unfamiliar unfamiliarity in positional sense for, for Christian Ramirez this weekend? I don't know. I think it could be a bit of both. I I think part of it's potentially that. Um, I think the other part is his his role's kind of been unclear since Glass has left. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, under Glass he was constantly in a six yard box. He was always in the middle. Whereas I found once Glass went, he's had an awful tendency to either drop deep or find himself out wide, which is obviously as a striker not where you want to be. Yeah. Um. So I think at times it left Watkins quite isolated when he was on the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but as well, it almost became a sort of pseudo 4-4-4-3-3 uh, okay. um, with Ramirez playing as like a 10, is how I viewed it. Yeah. Um, which, don't get me wrong, he, he he does suit that role well at times. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he did spray a couple of good balls out on Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if he if he could have stayed higher up and pressed a bit more with Watkins in the first half, I think it could have been a little bit more comfortable for us. Yeah, and you know, there's been a lot of people you know, we've done it on the podcast as well, crying out for that partnership of Ramirez and Watkins to really kick off. We saw it kind of in December time. The, the St Mirren game at home really sticks out in the memory as one where they that partnership, we thought, wow, this could be potent, you know, after the, the winter break. And unfortunately, 
you know, fitness and interest, if you want to call it that, has kind of hampered that that partnership developing. I saw a few comments after the game about Marley Watkins' performance, people wanting the, the real Marley Watkins back. How did you feel that Marley Watkins did um, at the weekend against Dundee? I feel it was it was very similar to the week before against Livingston. I think he's he's not a nine, um, and I think Goodwin needs to realise that pretty quickly. Um, he's, a, he's a tendency to sort of try and get himself out wide and get himself mm. on the ball, which when he gets into those positions, he's great. He'll take on his man, um, you know, and he, he looks like a confident player. But as a nine, I just think he looks almost lost at times, yeah. um, which was great when he, he was pressing. But I mean, by the, about the 70th minute, he was he was dead on his legs. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether, whether that partnership's going to work if they're both constantly trying to be on the ball, um, I don't know. Which is which is a bit of a worry, considering it's really our two only striking options yeah. um, for the rest of the season. Yeah, it, I mean, which almost helps that we are close to being all but safe this season. Because um, I think had you know the result not gone in our favour this weekend, there would have been again these doubts. And we're going to come on to that a little bit later on, actually. So I want to kind of get your opinions on on the front too. Um, but we always like to see Aberdeen come out on the front foot at home and want to put the away side under pressure. And we pretty much did that with the first kick of the game. Lewis Ferguson, very audacious, trying his luck from kickoff. Did you think there was a ch- ever a chance that was going to dip under the crossbar and in? I mean, I, I, I kind of like looked down for about two seconds and I heard everyone kind of gasp and I was like, what, what's going on? Um, and for a minute I thought it was in when, when the keeper had bundled himself into the net. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a young keeper in goals for Dundee and admittedly he had a good game. He played well. Um, but I think that will kind of, you know, bit of a, a wake up call uh, next week. I think he'll be starting a bit, bit closer at his line. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose that was at times almost as good as it got for Aberdeen in the first half because, you know, you said we've been shipping goals for fun this season. I don't think that's harsh at all. It's it's very fair. And we, the goals that we've been shipping have been cheap. And we almost did our best to afford Dundee some cheap goals. Declan Gallagher, a player I really hoped it was going to work for at Tawdry, you know, we saw how much he bossed Alexander Mitrovic in Serbia, that, that famous playoff night for, for Scotland. A solid player on the international scene and, you know, through misfortune, probably through injury and maybe a lack of game time, things just haven't worked out for him at Aberdeen. But him and Bates, just, the partnership just hasn't gelled in recent weeks. There seems to be that nervous energy. I don't know whether that's been generated by the fans or slide down the league, but... It, it's causing us problems, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the first half was was definitely far worse than the second half in terms of Gallagher. Bates kind of just was dreadful all game. <laughs> and, and with the most respect to him, he was, he was pretty shocking. But um, yeah, like you say, they've just never looked looked confident, which is strange. Like you say, when, when you see Gallagher in a Scotland jersey, he's so composed, he's solid at the back. He can play out from the back, which I think in the first half... Was some some of his balls out were were shocking square fifty fifty balls into Ferguson, which I think caused uh, one of the chances where where Lewis had to pull off a really good save at his top corner. Yeah, that um, was the that was the first chance that that Dundee really had when, as you said, Gallagher tried to get that ball out to Lewis Ferguson. I'm not really sure 
what Gallagher and Ferguson are doing there because we put ourselves under needless pressure. I'm not sure if there was a better ball that Gallagher could have chosen or just hoof it up, really just relieve that pressure. But I suppose for Joe Lewis, a, a keeper that's had his critics this season, this podcast again included his stats, exactly, haven't exactly you know covered him in glory. But again, he's n- not really been helped when he then has to face a shot as a result of some poor defensive play, but more than made up for it. And again, probably showed why he is such a good keeper with that save from Danny Mullen. Yeah, I think I think Saturday really showed glimpses of what Lewis was like at his best for Aberdeen. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of times Dundee were creating chances and you, you felt actually confident for the first time in a while that Lewis was going to stop them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that justifies keeping him as number one next season, personally. Yeah. Um, my, my opinion is I feel like we should get a slightly younger keeper in um, and especially a keeper that's maybe slightly quicker and slightly more accurate with his distribution mm-hmm. um, I think that can sometimes be be quite a, a justifiable um, gripe to Lewis as sometimes you think just you know we've, we've got a chance to counter we've got quick, quick players like Hayes and Besham playing on the wings Yeah. Um, so I think maybe having that slightly more modern I use the term modern yeah. <laughs> um, slightly more modern goalkeeper um, that's kind of just um, a bit sharper a bit more sort of tactically aware, shall we say, of what's going on. Um, but no, I mean, Saturday was, Lewis could have easily probably got man the match because um, first half it could have been 3-0 down if he wasn't there. Yeah, uh, and I suppose he had to be called into action again as Declan Gallagher um, played a strange ball to, to Colin Ramsey who didn't really have the opportunity to turn and, and get rid and found himself bundled off the ball and as Dundee broke and, and fired the ball across David Bates stood and admired the cross and it was Paul McMullen this time who who beat David Bates to the ball um, which I think annoyed me more about how stationary Bates was in that situation but Joel Lewis not stationary very alert to to stop Dundee going ahead and again it just it's just, you know we kind of touched on this in last week's episode me myself and Calm saying we're not learning from mistakes week in, week out. We're not learning from mistakes, you know, five, ten minutes apart, even in in a game as it goes on. We're we're just constantly putting ourselves on the back foot and it's not going to help, obviously, the game nil-nil at that point, a game that had so much riding on it from an Aberdeen point of view. Yeah, I mean, I think think that chance especially was just part and parcel of Bates' game on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So, So often, I mean, especially balls over the top, he would sit and he would watch them, but he would let the ball bounce and you think, just get out, just clear it. You're a centre half, just yeah. go back to basics. Because when I mean, you've got someone like uh, Paul Mullen, who's rapid, mm-hmm. coming at you, there's no chance Bates or Gallagher is going to keep up with him if he gets past them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think for someone like Bates, who's been playing in Germany, played in a Rangers team, you know, he was touted as one of Scotland's next big centre halves. Mm-hmm. And with the experience he's got, I think sometimes he looks almost more inexperienced than like some Mackenzie and Ramsey do at the back. Yeah. And um, he just sometimes looks like he just panics too much on the ball and when the ball's coming at him. Um that you would just think with, with him and Gallagher at the back, one of them should be able to kind of grab the other by the neck and kind of haul them back into it and get them to focus up a bit. Yeah, and, and do you think there's maybe that kind of nervousness in their play because they've got 
young fullbacks either side of them that, you know, we've been kind of critical of Calvin Ramsey this season in terms he's not maybe been switched on fully defensively. Jack McKenzie, I think, is certainly the better of the two defensively. Do you think there's maybe that's maybe had an effect on on either Gallagher or Bates this season? I mean, it could do. I mean, I guess that comes down to the instructions they're getting from management. I mean, if, mm. if they're getting told, look, you need to kind of drag them through the game and give them as much support as you can, which I think Hayes has done for the most part with McKenzie. Yeah. Um, you know, it almost looks like at the start of the season, Hayes was kind of coaching McKenzie through games. Um, so whether they're getting asked to do that and, and that's kind of just dragging their focus elsewhere mm-hmm. and um, making them focus less on their own game, it could be. Um, but I mean, I think to be good defensively, I think you've got to have confidence in everyone that's around you. Yeah. Um, the, the minute you start doubting who you're playing with in your back three, back four, back five, whatever it might be that we've played this season, um, you're going to be shaky and you're going to start having little errors come into your game, little mm-hmm. silly errors, which are so avoidable. Yeah. And sadly, they're becoming more and more um, pro- prominent in this Aberdeen defence. However, one player that has probably been a shining light um, over the last two games, and obviously we lost that game to Livingston, but he'll certainly be happy with his own personal performance, is Jack McKenzie. Another good 90 minutes under his belt this weekend. How, how impressed have you been with Jack McKenzie coming back into this Aberdeen team? I, I think he's been brilliant the past couple of games. Um, and I, I think on Saturday he was, he was robbed to get a man in the match. I thought he was brilliant from the first whistle to the last. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's impressed me more since he's came back from his injury is he seems to have added a bit more of attack and urgency to his game, mm-hmm. which I found he lacked compared to Ramsey. They were kind of like polar opposites when they yeah. first broke into the team. Um, but yesterday he was, he was brilliant in driving us forward. Him and Hayes on the left were, were great. And I think, you know, hopefully it's a sign of his confidence coming back. Obviously, mm-hmm. when you first come back from injury, you're going to be a bit, bit tentative jumping into things. Um, but hopefully this is him kind of setting his standard now um, going forward. And if we can have two two pretty good prospects at fullback, then, you know, it's it, it's positive going into the summer financially for the club, but also mm-hmm. going into next season as well. Yeah, and I suppose it's, it's a good point you make there about kind of coming back from injury. I think that game at Tanadice, I, I just felt Stephen Glass maybe rushed him back a bit too soon for that fixture, obviously, then picks up a knock in that game and sets him back further. But obviously with, you know, Keenan Gwenya being out on loan, winning the league with, with Kelty Hearts, talk about whether he'll come back into the fold next season. You've got Jack Milne. I know it's more of a centre-back, not left-back, but Johnny Hayes, yes, he's still going to be here next season, but how much of that pace and ability is he going to have next season? Obviously, you know, age does a, does affect things. There's an opportunity there for Jack McKenzie to really nail down that left-back spot as his, as, his, as his own, really, as we go into next season, into the summer. So maybe wanting to put himself at the, the forefront of the manager's mind going into what is going to be a big summer in terms of transfers, comings and goings at, at the football club. Yeah, no, I, I think he's he's definitely done done well to to, to mark his card and get him, you know, put him definitely in contention for for holding down the left back spot next season. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how how Goodwin views it. Mm-hmm. Like you say, you know, you mentioned Guanya, um, who I would like to see maybe getting a run, and um, whether he's ready for a run at Premiership level, 
it's hard to tell until you're in that scenario. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe would you would you test them in the Premier Sports Cup at all, or maybe more a preseason game instead? Well, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be playing group stage of the mm. the cup, so I mean, you're gonna be against sort of League Two Championship standard anyway. Yeah. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to kind of have him around for that, play him in those games. If you don't think he's ready, you can ship him out on a six month loan in January. Yeah. Um, but I think I don't know. I think hopefully Glass had kind of planted the seed of using youth. Mm. And hopefully Goodwin will kind of keep that going. I mean, it was it was quite upsetting to not upsetting, it's a bit of a pretty dramatic term that. But you know, it was a bit bit frustrating to see see the Evening Express article today about the likes of um Turner and Ruth um, yeah. basically being told that, that they've not got a future. Um, I, I, certainly the certainly the Turner one surprised me by you know, certainly judging about the, the reports coming out of uh mm-hmm. Ireland about how well he's done it at Cliftonville, obviously one winning the, the cup over there as well, and you know, close to winning the league as well. It, it seems that you know he's certainly impressed their fans, and yeah, I, I, I've got to share the same sentiment. I think out of the two, I'm I'm certainly more surprised that we're not maybe going to take a chance on, on Turner. Um, next season, Ruth, I'm not too surprised about, um, given he's probably struggled at Falkirk this season when he was out on loan. Um, and but I mean, just shows how big a job we've got. Where you know, obviously, we'll maybe come on to the man that's on your leg, Christian Ramirez, in a, in a second. But um, certainly up front, we've we've got a big job coming up this summer. Yeah, I mean, just just going back to that point on Turner and Lucas defensively really our only options just now are Gallagher and Bates mm. Devlin's away Constein's on his way out you'd think you know you would maybe keep I mean who knows I mean one of Gallagher or Bates might even be away in the summer who knows well, what's going on behind closed I, doors I, I suppose then the other point on that in terms of younger players coming through you've also got Jack Milne who I saw a couple mm. of times in the Highland League this season six foot four but he was playing in midfield and the, the time I watched him I break him for Martin I was really impressed with it the way he kind of drove breaking forward and, and started building some of their attacks now I really obviously see him as more of a, a centre back um, and it'll be interesting to see how he gets on in a you know a position that he's not actually possibly played competitively in and I think is is it Ethan Towler? Is it him that's at Elgin City, seventeen-year-old? Again, highly thought of um, at Aberdeen. But again, is that going to be too young to be coming into the first uh, first team? Will that again be uh, another loan out? You maybe look at again Peterhead, obviously securing their League One status. When even when you spoke of Kieran Nguenya, if he doesn't quite fit that mould of Aberdeen. Could he find himself going back to Cove? He's been there before, obviously, them getting up to the championship. There's possibilities we could hopefully maybe exploit with Cove and, and sending players out there on loan to give them championship experience as opposed to, to League One. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's definitely possible. I think it's good just now the Northeast has got so much options for young players. Yeah. Um, obviously, Peterhead, Montrose, Cove, um, even Bank City playing in the yeah. Highland League with Fraserburgh now as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there's plenty of options for, for players to go out and get game time at various levels. Um, so, I mean, I mean, hopefully we're not just going to let them just sit and sort of rot on the bench effectively. Um, I think if, if Goodwin's not going to use young players, he's, he's got to put them out. 
Yeah. I know there was word of Ryan Duncan coming back in and maybe getting a shot in the first team. Yeah. And whether that's to maybe sort of chop and change with Hayes, depending on how his legs are holding up, if he's mm-hmm. still sort of first choice winger next season. Um, so I think, I think it'll be interesting. I think we've definitely, as a club, got a, a pretty solid youth set up. Yeah. Um, and, and I would like to see more of the youth players getting a bit of a, a bit of a chance and um, not even just to help us as a team, even just financially. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the, we've the got a new stadium to build. So. Exactly. Yeah. The, the new stadium was at 76 million, like the rumoured. Yeah. Sort of it's not, it's not gonna, or whatever. It won't build itself. And I suppose that's maybe something that we could see against St. Johnson, St. Mirren in the last couple of games of the season, depending how the result goes. Um, or the results, I should say, go this weekend against Hibs. Um, if it does, you know, become mathematically safe for Aberdeen, could we see the likes of Ryan Duncan come into the fold, a Jack Milne who's found himself on the bench, get a little run out, maybe alongside Andy Consign in his final farewell? You know, just just ease them into games that don't have a lot riding on them um, at, at the end of the season, but. One man who we don't know whether or not he's going to be here next season is, of course, Christian Ramirez. How do you think he got on on Saturday? I watched the highlights before we recorded this episode, and again, he had a couple of chances that was that was well saved by Sharp in the, in the Dundee goal, and another day maybe find the back of the net. Do you think this weekend was more down to him having to kind of play behind Marley Watkins rather than in previous weeks where, again, to, to, to quote what's been said online, he doesn't look interested. I, th- I think I think there's a few few areas which kind of feed into Ramirez's game. I think one of them, as you say, is playing deep. I think that that just kind of almost cut him out of the game effectively. Um, as much as he was getting on the ball, he was in the ball, he was on the ball in the wrong positions. Yeah. Um, and I think he cut a very frustrated figure as we see when he got subbed off. Whether that was frustration at being subbed mm. or missing the chance before or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really is his his head's probably just not not in it at the moment. I mean, obviously we've seen the the Twitter outbursts yeah. and you know the the Instagram stories from family members and whatnot. And so he, he is caught in a very dejected figure. And I think also confidence as well. I mean, he's not found the net since I got the tattoo, so that's brilliant for me. Your fault then. Um, yeah, it's all on me. I'm I'm the crutch here. But yeah. no, I think I think some of the chances yesterday, I think if if there were, you know, four or five months ago, they were probably in the net. Yeah. You know, when he was at, at the at the peak of his scoring. Um, and I think it just kind of goes to show what, what confidence can do for a player. Yeah, I, I kind of agree on that. And I'm gonna come on to a point uh, in a minute about you know the the age-old argument of where we would be without Christian Ramirez's goals. You could almost argue where would we be without Lewis Ferguson as cool as he is in terms of taking penalties. And be- before we get on to the penalties, there were, were a couple of chances for both sides. Vicente Bizawin um, at the start of the second half. Um, with a good drive forward, but unlucky to um, find his shot go past the outside of the post and not curl into the bottom corner. But also Calvin Ramsey, as I said, um, defensively, maybe there's been question marks around him this season, but showing good awareness to get back on the line to clear Ryan Sweeney's header um, off the line to prevent Dundee taking the lead. Jack McKenzie was brought down in the box. Willie Collum, maybe surprisingly, 
uninterested in the decision. What was your thoughts on that? Did you think that was a stonewall penalty? Um, well, I mean, I've, I've not actually watched anything like sports scene back, but from where I was sitting, I I thought it was a blatant penalty. I mean, if, to me, it looked like the boy just came right through the back of him. Yeah. You think if, 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 that, if that occurs a foot outside the box, you're, you're probably blowing for a free kick because I don't see how it's any different. It's in the box. Yeah, I mean, it, it was that much of a, a penalty appeal that the YouTube highlights don't actually include it. So um, <laughs> it, it, it is on Red TV's highlights. And I, I mean, for a referee of Willie Collum's level, um, I just don't see how he hasn't awarded that. And again, this plays into my fears of VAR coming into play um, halfway through next season when you see some of the decisions that have been made this weekend. Um, around penalty incidents and even the goal kick that um, Andrew Dallas awarded at McDermott Park for the tackle on Paris Main that went out for that. the most obvious yeah. corner in the world. Um, but I suppose almost in similar fashion to the game against Ross County, Philip, when I certainly felt that Ross County should have had a penalty for the trip on Regan Charles Cook, but then the mm-hmm. uh, incident with a handball occurred and, and Ross County got a penalty. Uh, Johnny Hayes is tripped by Jordan Marshall as he races into the box. I wasn't convinced in terms of watching the highlights how much contact there actually is. It's maybe just a slight touch Johnny Hayes feels and, and he goes down. But this time, Willie Collum points to the spot. Um, again, what was your kind of reaction in the ground at the time? Did you think that one was just as much as a penalty? Um, I mean, from where, because I sit in the south stand, so I was kind of just behind it. Um, so to me, it looked like I think it was Marshall stuck his stuck his leg out. Whether there was contact, I've got no idea. Yeah. Um, at the time, I definitely thought it was it was Colin kind of realizing that he'd he'd made a mess of the first one. I think someone yeah. probably definitely said in his ear, "You've you've had a shambles there, pal." Yeah. Um, and I think he's kind of thought, "Well, I've got to kind of make up now, or I might not make out of Aberdeen alive." <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was really the 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 one moment of real quality. Um, they really separated the sides. I mean, Hayes rolling the years back about 10 mm. years at that point, just driving into the box. Um, and yeah, I mean, whether there was contact or not, I'm not really caring. No, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter now that we have got the, th- the three points. Lewis Ferguson, as I said, cool for, as you like from the spot, just putting the penalty down the middle and probably you said... Uh, whereas you used it full time, just that sense of relief that, that that goal finally came. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think it had been, I think the whole ground had basically been wanting it from from kick off. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could just you could feel the tension. Obviously, I mean, you could hear hear from the atmosphere whenever decisions weren't going our way, or you know, if there were slack passes, there was there was a lot of frustration in Petardry. Yeah, and um, and yeah, no, it was surprisingly for the crowd there was it was it, it erupted when the penalty hit the net. Yeah, um, I suppose that is just the the relief and the emotion. Yeah, what's what's kind of been building up over the last the last maybe week to, to ten days, or obviously after the Livingston result as well. But I think I saw someone on, on Twitter, um, Jimbo Jims. He kind of did like a, a kind of stat in terms of our penalties because <clears throat> it was free and 
and McCauley tweeted out saying who's going to step up if Lewis Ferguson does leave us in, in the summer to, to take that mantle of solid penalty taker. And I, I think in the stats, you know, GMS, Rooney, McLean, Ferguson and Cosgrove, there's only been five misses in our last 70 penalties that, that those those players have taken. So it does show that when we get a penalty, we are pretty solid from the spot. But in our last three games, Philip, we haven't actually scored from open goal. How much of a concern is that to you um, going forward for the last three games of the season, but also going into the summer, given you know the speculation over Christian Ramirez, Marley Watkins, we've got his doubts on fitness. And then, as you said, you know, Evening Express breaking that news that Michael Ruth's not likely to be at the club next season. So possibly looking at needing three strikers into the club. Yeah, I mean, in terms of scoring, I mean, definitely you need an out-and-out nine that's going to just basically poach. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you you look at, I mean, as much as I hate to, to give him any plaudits, but I mean, Morelos at Rangers just needs someone that, that fills his role that will just sit yeah. in the 18-yard box and just pick up anything that comes to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think equally as important to a striker is, is a bit of creativity. I mean, Barron mm-hmm. seems to, Barron and Bastion seem to have shown glimpses of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're able to get on the ball and be positive. Um, and I think I agree I can't remember who it was on Twitter that was speaking about it but um, it still feels like we've almost not not replaced McLean yeah. you know it's been been that long since he's left um, and I think that's the fear if Ferguson does go as well because mm-hmm. he, he can kind of have that ability to pick the ball up drive us forward and either score himself or you know get us a good opportunity um, so I think it'll be a big summer in terms of uh, getting a pack and quality in more than anything yeah, I, I, that's actually quite an interesting point you make there about not really replacing Kenny McLean. I don't even really think we, well, we never really got much of a chance given when he when he left, but we haven't really replaced that kind of creativity and directness that Ryan Hedge has offered us at the, mm-hmm. the first half of the season. You know, a player maybe some felt flatter to deceive at times, but we've certainly missed that in the second half of the season, I felt. With Ross McCrory being suspended uh, on Saturday in that win, how, how do you think that affected that midfield three? Because, okay, results haven't been coming, but I think that three of McCrory, Ferguson, Barron do have something about them. So if Ferguson, or maybe when Ferguson inevitably leaves this, this summer, is that going to be difficult to, to replace that one of those three figureheads in that midfield? I think it can be. Um, I think, you know, with with Barron and McCrory in the field, it kind of gives Ferguson the sort of freedom to go forward, which is where I think he, he shines, sort of, is when he is almost playing in that sort of box-to-box 10 mm-hmm. role. Um, and I found that at times on Saturday, he was very deep, um, which kind of didn't allow him to have the same sort of influence as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as long as you get that balance right and you either get someone who is an out-and-out 10 or you let Barron maybe take the 10, because he looks like he's he's able to hold his own going forward as well. Yeah. A couple of good chances on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And uh, you bring in someone to kind of partner McCrory um, to hold down in sort of defensive midfield. Um, but I suppose it's all down to recruitment. I mean, there's been all this word of a scout in the Czech Republic and the Netherlands and, you know, everything... Yeah, well, if you go by Dave Cormack's uh, interview with yeah, Graham Hunter, yeah. there's been players from Holland going to Theo Snelder's house to, to hear about Aberdeen and, uh, you know, whether you want to read too much into that or, or not. We'll, I suppose we'll on, on the other hand as well, you, you could even look at Tovara. None of us have seen enough of him to 
really pass comment on whether he would be a good fit for the midfield. Yeah. Which is why I'm, I'm hopeful if we get, get safe on Saturday from Hibs, we might actually see him get more than five minutes. And yeah. Obviously, I don't know where he's like in his uh, recovery from, I think it was a double hernia or whatever he had done. Well, I remember that, I think, well, since the double hernia, he did obviously come on at Ibrox, and that's the only minutes mm-hmm. of note that I remember him yeah. having. So, yeah, a, a good point, and, and just shows a player that almost has been forgotten about since yeah. for, for Aberdeen. So, um, and who knows, there's obviously uh, a couple of other players, maybe, you know, we, we've been speaking about the Youth Academy, you've got um, Kevin Henrati as well, who spent some of the season on loan for Martin and then um, barely featured when he moved to Elgin um, in, in January. So whether or not there's a future for him, you've obviously got Ryan Duncan, I know more of a winger, but it'd be interesting to see where, where he's used. I do actually like the point you make there. Um, about Connor Barron, I have liked his energy that he's brought to the team, and as you said, you know, had a couple of good chances this weekend against Dundee. He seems to, if there's that opportunity to take a shot, he'll go for it. Mm-hmm. He won't shirk that responsibility and pass the ball out wide, and you know, give the responsibility for somebody else to create something. Kind of takes the game by the scruff of the neck when when need be. So uh, certainly. Um, that's something I hadn't thought about and is a, an exciting prospect, I suppose, of him. It is probably big shoes to fill in, in respect of, of Lewis Ferguson, but something that I'm sure he'll relish, you know, that he's certainly reading what's been put out from the club from Conor Barron, a player who's living mine and yours dreams of playing for yeah, absolutely. I think things as well, he seems not similar at Ferguson because they're, they're different players, but he's mm-hmm. got that same sort of not, I suppose it's a confidence where, where he isn't really scared of putting himself into things as well, which is quite refreshing for a player, especially his size as well. He's not a big lad, but I mean, yeah. he was flying into tackles with Charlie Adam and, you know, their centre halves, you know, shoving them about when there was fouls. Yeah. And you think, you know, if he kind of keeps that bit between his teeth, you know, he could be be, be equally as good as a holding midfielder. Yeah. You know, cause he, he reads the game well, which is impressive again for his age. Um, mm-hmm. I think that confidence is kind of testament to, to the youth coaching at the club. Because when you look at Ramsey, McKenzie, Barron, yeah. they've all been confident since they came into the team. Um, and none of them have really shied away from, well, not only criticism, but obviously getting themselves involved as well. They've been, you know, they've, they've looked apart. They've definitely not looked like they're fresh out of school teenagers, effectively. Yeah, I, I agreed. And I also think as well for um, Connor as well, he's also benefited. I think he's, you know, if he'd admit himself from learning from Kevin Thompson um, mm-hmm. this season as well at Kelty Hearts and obviously getting that experience in League Two uh, ha- has helped him. Um, and I'm just glad that, you know, Jim Goodwin's had the faith in him to to bring him in and we've managed to see for ourselves what he can hopefully bring to us next season. And it'll be interesting to see who lines up in alongside that midfield with him because I think you're right in terms of box-to-box midfielders you described Lewis Ferguson Connor Barron probably out of our current squad fits that most I don't really see Ross McCrory offering that sort of ability I think he's more suited to being a kind of holding midfielder I don't know about your thoughts on that yeah I mean I think I think that's where he's best suited I mean I think at times when he when he first joined Aberdeen um, he was he was up and down all game and he, he did show a lot of good attacking qualities but I think with him having to drop into centre-back this season um, I think his, his defensive game's gone up tenfold but I think also he's found that he's a lot more comfortable if he can just set, break up the play get the ball out um, mm-hmm. and kind of just pull the strings from the middle 
And so hopefully, I'm, I'm hopefully retains the midfield spot next season because as much as he, he's a good centre half, I think he is far better suited to midfield. And I think you know if the the talk of him being captain next season is to be believed, um, I think he is better suited to being in midfield and, and can controlling the team from that position rather than centre back as well, um, and helping you know the likes of Connor Bannon and any other players that are, are coming into the into the team as well, um. So, Philip, we've been largely positive on this episode um, up till now, but people will be like, thank God he's not being negative. Well, I'm sorry to say, I'm just going to throw a little bit of negativity in there. How much for you has this result at the weekend papered over any cracks that, that may have been appearing? Obviously, we're, you know, we're all delighted to see that, that three points being picked up, but... Is there still some concern from what you've seen at the weekend? Uh, absolutely. I mean, if, if we'd lost to, to Dundee, then I think we would have rightfully deserved to have been in a playoff match. I mean, as bad as we've been this season, there's no way we should have been losing to Dundee, especially, you know, with the magnitude of the game in terms yeah. of our season. Yeah. You know, if you, can't, if you can't get players or get yourself motivated for a game like that, then I don't think, you know, top-level football is really for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have maybe papered over cracks a bit better if the win was more convincing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a one 0 from a from from a scrappy penalty shouts. Um, you know, not exactly doing much to 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 light the world on fire. Obviously, yeah. you know, it's nice to get the win, but I think I think the way we won it and also just the match as a whole showed the sort of cracks we still got and the cracks we still got as a team and sort of gaps yeah. we need to fill. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I would I would kind of say it's given relief, but not exactly instilled much much, much more enthusiasm. I think that kind of goes with it. Yeah, I think part of it goes with it being in the split in the last few games of the season. Anyway, the season's yeah. all but done. I think it's hard to kind of get yourself g'd up for effectively nothing games. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess then in kind of the same respect, it just highlights more than anything the work that. Um, Darren Mowbray and recruitment and Jim Goodwin have got for themselves this summer in terms of that rebuilding and making sure that we don't find ourselves in this position again next season. Absolutely, I think I think this summer is going to be really important, um, and I think we've we've got to get the recruitment right. That's the main thing. We can't afford to have another sort of Chris Forrester and you know Stevie May situation where on paper we're thinking oh this will be quite good but mm-hmm. you know it kind of just hinders us a little bit and ends up being wages for nothing mm-hmm. um, but I think as well um, as much as I don't like us not having the sort of prospect of European qualification in the summer because those nights are always brilliant Yeah. Um, you know going down to the pub before it's always a lovely lovely night in terms of weather you know it's always a feel good atmosphere Mm-hmm. But I think that being out of Europe this season should hopefully do us the world of good. Yeah. Okay, I, maybe we're not going to attract... I was going to say we're, we're maybe not going to attract the same sort of calibre of player without the European football, but mm-hmm. I think as a club, we, we, we do need it to kind of just sort of reassess what are our sort of expectations, what are our priorities, and where do we see ourselves going in the next sort of five years? Yeah, I, I tend to agree on that in terms of, the the rebuilding aspect of things that will possibly benefit us not being in Europe 
although I think our season starts just as early, if not a, a couple of days before being mm-hmm. in, in the group stages of the Premier Sports Cup. But it, it still irks me when you see tonight the um, confirmed allocation of European spots for the Scottish Premiership with um, the, the winners of the Premiership getting guaranteed group stage football. It looks all that set to be that the Rangers uh, or Celtic Power finishes first, second. We'll also get guaranteed group stage football. Hearts, of course, um, much talked about from an Aberdeen point of view. Um, coming up in the, the preview for the Hibs game with Michael Monin, we touch on that as well, about the opportunity that both clubs in terms of Aberdeen and Hibs have missed out on. And even when you look, I think fourth place goes into the third qualifying round. So that's just two games they need to go through to, to win um, into the into group stages. It just feels like we've missed a huge opportunity this season. And I really hope we give ourselves the best possible platform to build next season. Um and aspire to be up there fighting for those positions that we'll we'll see us have the opportunity to get what Hearts look forward to next season. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right in the frustration. I mean, I guess that's kind of been a kind of recurring theme this season is we've we've almost been given so much opportunities on a plate to get ourselves into that position and we've just never taken it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, really, it's... We've really only got ourselves to blame for not being in that position. Um, So hopefully, hopefully we can bounce back next season and get one of the European spots. I mean, I think Hearts, they're pretty much guaranteed minimum conference league groups. Yeah. Um, So even, you know, top three would be, you know, just to to guarantee group stage football would be progress on the past few years of Europe that we've had, you know, constantly falling short. Yeah. And, you know, there may be people out there saying, well, God, you know, that's maybe expecting miracles based on what we've seen this season. But let's not forget that Hearts weren't even in the league last season and they found themselves sitting third. So, um, you know, stranger things have happened uh, this season. So there's certainly, mm-hmm. you know, an opportunity there for Aberdeen. And I think, you know, I suppose, Philip, it just highlights that we do have that big job on our hands this summer. What's your thoughts, you know, let's look past these next next three games just briefly. Where do you see the club needing to kind of prioritise as we look at, ahead to the transfer window coming up? Um, I think it's really shooting up that spine of the team. And by that, I mean, you know, a, a goalkeeper, if they're not going to be starting at least quality competition for mm-hmm. Lewis, um, one or maybe even two centre-backs, depending on the position that we're in with, with Bates and Gallagher over the summer. Yeah. Um, a new midfielder and, and definitely someone who can score goals up front, just kind of having that that spine intact. Because we've got the players around that spine already. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just right through the middle. We seem to just be lacking a little bit. So hopefully if we can sure that up um, next season, we'll be a lot more, well, we'll have a lot more positives on the podcast, hopefully. Yeah, well, we'll definitely um, be hoping that there is a lot more positive to speak about. Do you feel that then on Jim Goodwin's comments, kind of discussed it a little bit last week about the, the four or five players that are needed to, to be brought in, do you feel that that's kind of an accurate assessment um, in terms of numbers, given um, what you're saying about you know building I think, a solid spine? Yeah, I would say in terms of that, because I think when you look at it in the way that Goodwin mentioned it, I think he used the term four or five, was it was it quality yeah. or whatever term he used? Effectively, you know, four or five out Spars and out almost. weekend starters. Mm. Yeah. 
that is what we need. Obviously, we need more signings than that because because the depth in the squad's been so imbalanced this season. You know, where you're bringing in, well, where we have been bringing in experienced heads like McGinn, McGeek and whatnot. You then also had the counterpoints where you had people like Milne, um, he was on the bench. Uh, was it Mason Hancock on the bench? And yeah. mm-hmm. um, Tom Ritchie on the bench. You know, so there there is definitely gaps where our depth could be a lot better. Especially since, as, as you previously said, we're going to be playing group stages of the cup. And mm-hmm. um, I think having that ability to to rotate the team where needed, and um, with equally as good players, is is kind of essential. But I would say the four or five out and out starters would would be a fair fair representation for the team. Yeah. I think so, and it's certainly going to be something that we'll be keeping an eye on, uh, social media, journalists, um, leaks from Pataudry, wherever we can get the information from uh, over the, the coming weeks. But Phil, Scott Burns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Philip, it's been an absolute pleasure um, having you on Red Tinted Glasses, making your debut, um, and maybe some stiff competition um, coming up for uh, Callum uh, when he comes back from his holiday in Budapest. Oh, I know it's uh, like like I say, this is the the new great rivalry me and Callum. I'm pretty sure he'll be uh, messaging me at work when he's back on Skype. So yeah, um, I'll see what he has to say. Yeah, but thanks very much for filling in at short notice, and this production will look as seamless as ever, despite um, the technical difficulties that me and you experienced um, <laughs> you know during the recording. Right. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been been good fun. It's yeah, been, been good fun. Yeah, it's been good to dissect um, the Dons uh, and kind of look with a m- bit more positive outlook um, after that three points. So thank you very much. And joining me on the next segment of the show is returning guest Michael Monin as we look ahead to the weekend's trip to Hibernian. Well, Michael, by popular demand, you are returning to the podcast. Welcome back. How are you doing? I'm all right. Um, we've got a bit of a cold, but... I'm absolutely fine apart for that. How are, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, feels good that I've been able to speak about a win so far um, on this episode. A win that Hibs didn't get this season. But yeah, say by popular demand, you've been missing for a few shows. Um, it's been that popular having you on in, in recent previews. But I guess it's been quite a shite season for both of us um, so far. Michael, how would you assess um, how your season's gone at Hibernian? Um, we have both been a disgrace. Um, when you consider the resources that both clubs have, the fan base that both clubs have, the previous season uh, finished from last season, to be where we are now is a disgrace. And when you consider the fact that Motherwell, uh, Ross County and two teams from the Championship last season are in the top six, it's, it's disgraceful. It's, it's not been pretty and Hibs, like ourselves, have, have gone through um, some managers th- this season as well. Obviously, most recently, um, Sean Maloney found himself um, collecting his P45 from Ron Gordon um, after just a short spell in charge of the club. Were you somewhat surprised to see Sean Maloney leave Hibs? Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't. Like, his, it's a results business at the end of the day and the results... Well, they spoke for themselves. They weren't good enough. Um, losing twice in a week to Hearts, it's never good enough. Uh, and whilst I think that, whilst I, I think that obviously um, we should have maybe given him the summer, uh, I don't really know why we got rid of him now, considering like nothing's going to change between now and the summer. 
the only thing I can think of is the they must have somebody else that they're thinking of bringing in because we cannot have another couple of months and not knowing who's going to be manager and then bring somebody in to get rid of them in a couple of months again. So I don't know. But and some of the signings well. I mean, some of them just shouldn't be football players. But the, there was, I, I'm not sure, you can maybe correct me if I'm wrong, the, the guy, Sylvester Jasper, he looks uh, a good player from from what I've seen. And then, well, apart, apart from maybe the cup game where he kind of lit up that um, Scottish Cup quarter final, Elias Melkerson has maybe just flattered to deceive. Is that harsh? Um, well, I think with Melkerson, is the, he was always going to be a, a long-term project. Like he's he is, he's a young guy. He's not going to come in and do it straight away. Um, but I think the reason why we had to bring him in so quickly is because obviously Nisbet got injured, and mm. then when I've had him there, so he's he's kind of been parachuted into a, a role that he might not be ready for. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, so I suppose on the management front, you know, as you said, you're still searching for that new manager. David Gray's been taken temporary charge. Won that first game in charge. Uh, away to St Mirren but then um, suffered defeat uh, this weekend against Livingston um, who would you like to see uh, realistically as I've said to you before because I know who you would want to see it's who many Aberdeen's want fans wanted to see is Bodo Glimp manager Kjell Knutson yeah. um, but I think let's be honest that's very unrealistic for Hibs also been a lot of names throwing their uh, names into that we've seen Philip Koku and um, uh, amongst others, putting themselves forward, who who would you like to see take over the reins at Hibernian? Uh, I'd love to convince Neil Wallop to come out of retirement for one <laughs> last hurrah. Um, but you said realistic, so I don't know. To be honest, I think because the the new the names that we're going with just now are just names that journalists come up with. <laughs> that's that's what the betting on the markets are. It's just names that journalists have came up with. Um, I think that because we've said David Gray will get to the end of the season, mm. whilst I think we're looking, I don't think we're in a rush to get anyone. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if we got a absolute curveball that nobody was expecting. Um, I, I think, though, when you say about a curveball, I mean, I don't know about you, um, and the rest of the Hibernian support, but certainly myself and, and a lot of maybe sensible-minded Aberdeen fans. Um, I'll wait to see how that one goes down. Um, when you look at this season with what was riding on it, um, look at Hearts, and, and you must really sting you as Hibs fans to see Hearts guaranteeing themselves in, in a you know £3 million group stages of European football up until Christmas. Is there a risk then with going for another um, inexperienced manager such as Sean Maloney? Obviously, Aberdeen did that risk with Stephen Glass and it backfired spectacularly. And we've paid the price this season by finishing in the bottom six. You guys have done similar, finished in bottom six, not got yourselves to a major final like we have, um, haven't done either. And next season, we're both in the cup final, Glenn. Oh, well, that's how much I'm paying attention to your season. But um, both of us now next season will be in the Premier Sports group stages. And and yet we're missing out on the, the money-spinning opportunities that Europe provides both of us. Yeah, um, I think that we've both been brand 
absolutely diabolically. For the reasons that you've just said, the reasons that uh, I mentioned at the beginning, I th- it's not a good league. I mean, the fact that we even got to the last game before the split and we could both be still in the top six, I think shows how bad it is. Um, with, with regards to them getting a, a European uh, thing, I just hope for another uh, COVID variant so they can't go. But uh, in a football term, uh, it's, it's what can you, there's nothing really you can say apart from it's an opportunity missed by both of us. Mm-hmm. And I suppose there's the kind of feeling in the hip support is that aimed at the board, similarly. Uh, a lot of Aberdeen fans maybe hold it against Dave Cormack. Both, you know, both clubs are now uh, American-owned. Um, given up what was at stake this season, it, it does feel like a missed opportunity. Is there that feeling over at Hibernian? Um, well, whilst Aberdeen, from what I've seen on uh, Twitter, etc., that their fans have sort of made their mind up about uh, Dave Cormack, uh, I think whatever camp you're in, you're in it, um, whatever side that may be. But with Ron Gordon, I think the jury's still out on him to an extent. Uh, I'm not a fan of the fact that his son is head of recruitment, <laughs> considering the players that he's recruited. Uh, and I, I'm not, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's very difficult for somebody to come in that's got absolutely zero connection to the, to the, the, the club and to to an extent, even a, a connection to the sport, um, mm. to come in and understand ex- exactly what uh, the fans want. But his whoever he appoints next manager is boom a bust for him. I think if he if he makes an asset again, then there'll be pickets outside the the stands asking why. <laughs> um, so I think for it's a, that's why I think that's why he's taking so long to to make a decision and he's also coming back to Scotland mm. uh, this week I think to, to do something with that I'd hope yeah well, I'm sure maybe Dave might be on a flight over and they'll be having a wee um, chat about how to sell the two clubs over in America obviously Aberdeen planning to um, have a mid-season friendly over in Atlanta use that as a, a training cup when the World Cup um, comes about um, I suppose we should talk about football, Michael, and not off-the-pitch matters. It's a trip to Easter Road for Aberdeen as we look to take on Hibernian. Both sides having won their respective home matches in this fixture. There's been three meetings between the sides, two wins for the Dons and one for Hibernian. However, Michael, 2022 has not been kind to both sides. Both sides just registering two wins apiece. Um it's not exactly a game that's going to be easy to market this weekend. What do you think we can expect? Um, I think if you're going, you're absolutely batshit mental. <laughs> um, I think it'd be one of the. I, I, I just think it'd be. It's like going to be a glorified friendly, isn't it? Mm. Um, I suppose. I mean, mathematically, Aberdeen aren't safe, albeit you know eight points clear of St Johnston and, and twenty goals better off. You'd like to think. Um, it's all but done, but I suppose you know mathematically, Aberdeen do still need to to go down down to Easter Road and pick something up to to all but seal our, our place in the Premiership next season. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Aberdeen will be fine in terms of staying up. Um, I, I mean, it's an absolute disgrace that we're even having this conversation, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, but that's where we are. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I just think it'll be much of a, a muchness game. Um, yeah, I don't think. I, I, and I suppose... Definitely it, not worth £31. No, I mean, the less said about the, the pricing of the game, the better. But, you know, the term glorified friendly is probably what I would kind of lean towards as well. But if you look at the kind of the stats um, for, for both sides, it, both have really been kind of lacklustre in, in front of goal in, in recent weeks. Um, Hibs have only scored three in their last five at home. I think there's been a couple of nil-nil draws in there as well. We've, we have scored five goals in our last five away games. However, we've not managed to keep a clean sheet. In fact, you know, only keeping one away from home all season um, in the league. It, it, I just can't see where the entertainment is coming from in this game. Hibs probably looking to try players out to see who may or may not be here next season. And I suppose Jim Goodwin's kind of going to be doing the same. Yeah, I mean, we had 18 shots on Saturday and not one of them was on target. Uh, all about the data though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's nice for you to, to worry about. I'm not bothered about that. <laughs> um, I just, I, I cannot get enthused for this at all. <laughs> It, I suppose that's just kind of the story of being the bottom six because as I've got in the notes, it was apart from pride, I suppose, and potential of prize money depending on where the clubs finished, there's really not a lot of stake in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's the players to the extent are all already on their holidays. Well, arguably, you could say they've not uh, reported for work all season, but... <laughs> um, it's just it's just playing out time. It's playing out the fixtures. It's it's a complete waste of everyone's time. And if you're going to spend thirty one pound going to that, I've got some magic beans. I'd like to tell you. <laughs> uh, but I, I suppose do you do you think that pride will take over? Because for Hibs, it's an an opportunity to once again, um, sadly, finish above us. That a, a win on Saturday would all but guarantee that unless you somehow throw away um, two defeats in, in your last two fixtures, but then that also means we have to go and win away from home again. <clears throat> Do Hibs take confidence going into this game? Um, I, th- I mean, I think prof- I think professional footballers have, have pride, um, or I like to think they do anyway, but I just, I think we, don't, we shouldn't mistake looking for pride and what you're actually capable of doing. Mm. Um, I don't think we're very good. I've, I, I think I, I said it. I don't know if I said it on this, but I've definitely, I've definitely said it many times that we're just not good at football, and we've relied on Martin Boyle far too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I think sort of, it, it, both sides have kind of suffered from the January transfer window. Hibbs showing how much reliance they had on Martin Boyle. Aberdeen, maybe not to the same extent, but we've certainly missed the creativity and directness that Ryan Hedge has brought us, but I think also suffering from the lack of investment from the board um, in January, which has certainly saw us suffer at the top end of the pitch. And I think as a result, both sides have justifiably and 
I don't know, you, you, I think you'll agree, judging by your tone so far, is deservedly ended up in the bottom six this season. Well, the league doesn't lie, Glenn. Yeah. And we, since the turn of the year, and this is why Maloney got binned, essentially, but just isn't good enough. It's just not good enough. And whilst Jack Ross got sacked for the a similar run of form. It shows that Ron Gordon isn't scared to sack yeah. managers that are underperforming, but coming to a time, it's like the players. Like the play, it's the same players. Yeah. And it's like, you can, they, they'd get anybody sacked then. Honestly, the just absolute shite. <laughs> it, it has yeah, like, honestly, and it's a clear out is required. And the thing is, it's, it's, I suppose it's respective of, of both clubs that clear-outs are expected in, in the summer and it'll be an interesting case to see who performs that clear-out and rebuild, I suppose, um, better. One player that Hibs have got back in recent weeks is Harry Clark, um, the defender who joined from, um, well, I suppose from Arsenal, but played the beginning of the season um, at Ross County, I, I noticed in the last few games he's been playing more of a wing back. When I think at Ross County, he performed more in, in that centre back role. Um, how good has he been for for him since returning to full fitness? He's been one of our best players. I think says a I lot. Think, picture, what I, a defender. I also don't think he's played in the same position in two different games. I think every <laughs> game I've seen him, he's been in a different position. But he's 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 solid. He's one of the few I'd keep. To be honest. Yeah. Um, like I don't know how you feel but I just as a, as a general team I just think they're completely unlikable who? our, our team oh I mean I, I like I I've said, got a question for you okay go on then who's your favourite player for Aberdeen? Uh, do I have one do you? Ross McCrory right, I mean I suppose, you, I suppose you have to say that if you're giving him a little more than that but yeah, yeah. you have to think it's not easy no, um, it's not. <laughs> it's I, I, I think that's actually an interesting point because I can't remember if it was in in our group chat or um, or if it was something I was discussing with folk that there's nobody now in that Aberdeen squad that you stand out and says that's who I like, or you know, maybe like you know when you were kids playing in a in a playground or. Uh, in the park after school, kids would automatically identify with a player that they want to be from that Aberdeen squad. Yeah. It was the one there. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be an interesting season for, well, off-season for, for both clubs and, and how we rebuild. Again, looking towards the weekend from a Bernie perspective, Michael, Sylvester Jasper, I mentioned him earlier in the episode, he's found himself on the bench Elias Merkelson, he's not exactly covered himself in glory. He's not found the back of the net after all that hype from the Motherwell Cup game. James Scott has found himself back in the starting eleven. Do you think David Grail look to make changes for this game? Will, will we maybe see some Hibs youngsters finding their way into the um, match day squad this weekend? Hope so. Why not? Can't be any worse than what we have. But um, I suppose when safety is secured and you can only finish as high as seventh, there's mm. nothing to lose, is there? Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I don't know the, the prize money um, breakdown. I don't know the, the, the difference between whatever position you finish in, but um, I don't 
stuff. And I, I mean, I'm not bothered about that. To be honest, I think if you're bottom six, you're <laughs> it's a failure anyway. Yeah. Um, I think I'd like to see youngsters playing. As I said, like they, they can't be any any worse than who would be playing anyway. Um, might actually give the other ones a kick up the arse that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd play them. Why not? Yeah. Uh, and around James Scott, how have you found him in terms of causing opposition defences problems? You know, uh, when you look at Aberdeen, a team that have only kept, as I said, one away clean sheet in the league all season, do you think this is a perfect opportunity to give James Scott some confidence? I mean, he's, 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 he shouldn't be, he should not be at Hibs next season. He's, he's, he's not a football player. He's, he, he played up front against Hearts in the semi-final mm-hmm. uh, and to give him his due, he did put himself about, but my God, that is the bare minimum. Mm. That, is, that is the absolute least you'd expect. I, I, I suppose and just... that's, that's a point of getting lauded nowadays. <laughs> he's he's not a footballer. And in terms of you, you know, you've got an American signing. Um, our American number nine. There's a lot of doubt on on his future. Chris Muller, he's found himself more uh, as an impact signing. Do you expect that impact substitution, not signing? Sorry. Do you expect that trend to continue this weekend, or do you think there's a chance for him to to find himself back in the starting eleven? Well, I'll go back to what I was saying earlier with Chris Muller because he was signed on a pre-contract. Mm-hmm. Like so, we knew like we were getting him in January, but we knew for a couple of months that he was coming. Right, that was uh, Ben Gordon. That was his like marquee signing. That so that's Ron Gordon's son, head of recruitment. That's a marquee signing. That's the benchmark of his mm-hmm. professional uh, ability as a recruiter. Chris Miller is absolutely diabolical. <laughs> He's absolutely diabolical. He, came, he arrived unfit. He had three months to get fit. Came overweight. Now he's talk. Now they're talking about oh, he needs to get up to speed. But in May, well, well, April, but like May. Yeah. It's if you cannot get fit in four months, then what are you doing? I think it kind of just sums up the state of your season when you've got <laughs> comments like that. Um, again, you look back to, I suppose even you can draw similarities then with Hibs recruitment and Aberdeen's recruitment. The fact that we didn't even get our head of recruitment in until after the summer transfer window had already closed um, and, and Stephen Glass was left to, to rule the roost over that. And you just need to look at how many of those summer signings are no longer with the club, J. Emmanuel Thomas has been playing football on the beach in Dubai with Anthony Joshua this weekend. Um, you've got Scott Brown, who's no longer here. It, it, you know, recruitment has been shambolic. Football has been shambolic. Thank God there's only three games left this season, eh? I know, I know. I mean, it's... <laughs> this, the worst part is that I'm just... I'm, I'm total resignation now. Yeah, I'm, I point, think, I'm well, past the point of. I wouldn't say I don't care, but it's like it's. I think the, not, the the word me and Callum used last week um, was apathy had kind of kind of set in for the the remainder of the season. I think it's almost at the point that whoever wins this weekend, if there is a, a positive outcome for Hibs or Aberdeen, it it 
we probably wouldn't even care if the other was winding each other up. I, I, I don't even think it's worth mentioning. I think it's like, let the game play out and then just like move, we'll talk about something else. Yeah, I mean, we'll, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll look ahead to, to next season instead. In, in terms of Aberdeen, um, Ross McCrory will be back um, available uh, after serving his one-match suspension at the weekend over Dundee. It'll be interesting to see if he returns to the starting lineup in place of Christian Ramirez, who took his place in the starting 11 uh, in that win over the Dens Park outfit. Would you, um, as a Hibs fan, be happy to see Ramirez drop to the bench and Aberdeen just go with that one striker? Uh, well, that depends if Christian Ramirez has got Aberdeen fans to be arguing with on Twitter or not. Um, or if he's got a grass up Ryan Portis and try and get him sent off again well Ryan Portis is back from his suspension so if you have paid £31 you might get a little bit of value from that but um, I mean well I'm going to be honest (laughs) I don't care (laughs) I don't care Um, I think like just I think for, for Aberdeen, you know, we've not really seen the best of Marley Watkins since he's returned from his injury. We're we're really struggling from goal for four goals. It's been three goals since uh, three games since we've actually scored a goal from open play, which I think kind of sums up again where Aberdeen have been this season. My main concern really is defensively. Um, Bates and Gallagher haven't exactly covered themselves in glory in recent weeks. Joel Lewis. Um, dug us out of um, a few problems that we self-inflicted um, against Dundee and I think if Hibs can kind of imply that directness that that we saw from them at the start of the season but again probably more led through Martin Boyle there might be some success I, I just get the sense in this game though Michael looking at Hibs's recent form that it's going to almost be a case of first goal wins this game well I think it'll be three one Hibs based on absolutely nothing other than the fact that uh, the first two games both sides won one nil at home and then the last game um when I was surplus to requirements for the podcast, yeah. uh, Aberdeen won three one. Absolutely Papche three one, probably our so, best performance um, of the year. And then, uh, and then, so this is going to have to be free one to hips. It's the way it, it works, I'm afraid. Well, I mean, the only encouragement I take from that game is probably one of Vicente Bazawan's best games. Uh, obviously, winning goal of the um, season award from that, although I do still feel that Jet was robbed of that because the, the club made sure that only current employees could win awards. Um, so I think there was a wee bending of the rules and making sure that that prize didn't go to the former striker who's enjoying the high life in, in Dubai just now. Marley Watkins pretty much bullied Lewin Stevenson when he did come on, so I expect more of the same from the Welshman this weekend. Bill McGeek as well, an interesting one, um, certainly enjoyed himself uh, Sunday evening uh, in Mayday in Aberdeen. A, a player who seems to always have a point to prove against his former employees. It'll be interesting to see if there's any game time as his Aberdeen career looks set to wind down come the end of the season. Looking forward to seeing what sort of impact, if if called upon, um, he has. I suppose in terms of Aberdeen's own defence, as I said, 
in terms of our centre-back pairings, I don't really think there's much we can do in terms of changing up. We've just got to put up with it until the end of the season. Jack McKenzie's impressed um, in that win against Dundee uh, and also put in a solid shift against Livingston um, despite us um, succumbing to defeat in that game. Uh, Calvin Ramsey as well returned to the starting eleven in that game against Dundee. Bright young player who looks set to leave the club in the summer for pastures down south. Whether or not we will see him loaned back to the club um, for a spell at next season remains to be seen. But again, a player with a point to prove and a, a player with a bright future, it would be good to see him get as many minutes as possible before his uh, Aberdeen career comes to an end and just show what he can do um, against Hibs. You know, it would be good for us to go down and register another away win this season. They've been few and far between. Uh, I think the supporters bus we've got is just about full this weekend. So, you know, those that are paying their hard-earned cash to travel down to Edinburgh um, hopefully are rewarded with a solid performance and also three points to take back up north. I'm sure you also disagree on everything that's just been said. <laughs> I say it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, well, we've got to, to look at, at both sides. You've obviously provided the Aberdeen input. Callum's enjoying himself in, in Budapest, so there's no one to, to back me up um, for, from the Aberdeen perspective. But glorified friendly or not, you know, as I said, Aberdeen aren't mathematically safe from relegation unless St Johnston somehow score a shitload of goals between now and the end of the season. Um, I'd like to think that we are okay, but um, I think it's not yet three points. We'd, we'd absolutely guarantee our safety going into next season. So, and I would just like to see us kind of assert a bit of domination on a game. Actually, you know, look like we can cause teams problem, not just needing needing penalties to do so. I think, Michael, I don't know how you feel about, about this Hibs team. Do you, do you feel that it's a team low on confidence or just kind of looking towards the end of the season already? Um, both. I also think there's a lack of quality. Mm-hmm. I think you could say the same about Aberdeen. Um, I think there's a lack of fight in the team and I think, yeah I think we've got far too many players that have outstayed their welcome um, I, th- I think that in order to rebuild how can you keep players that have survived so many rebuilds when you're trying to rebuild <laughs> well it'll be interesting to see what happens come the summer um, for both teams it'll be interesting also to see what happens this weekend as Aberdeen look to um, go down and, and claim that that three points that would also lift us above um, Hibs as we, we come towards the end of the season. Michael, it's been great getting you back on the podcast after your sabbatical, and um, that's what I'm going to call it. Um, you've said 3-1, I'll say 1-1 one, one, um, which will do no, nobody any favours in terms of bragging rights um, but I look forward to um, catching the game and hopefully catching up with you next week to discuss the events of the game as well. Thanks very much for joining me on Red Tinted Glasses today. Cheers. Thank you. My thanks again goes to Michael Monin and Philip Mayer for joining me on this episode of Red Tinted Glasses as we looked back 
on the Dons 1-0 win over Dundee and looked ahead as Aberdeen head to the capital this weekend to take on Hibernian in, as Michael called it, a glorified friendly. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Callum will be returning to co-host next week. It looks like we'll probably do a live episode on Monday. Monday evening, I think we'll set that one up for, given that we travel to St. Johnston midweek, normally when our next episode is out. So we'll try and do something ahead of that fixture. If you have enjoyed this episode, remember to hit the follow button wherever you're listening to this episode. Hit that subscribe and like button over on the YouTube channel as we close in on 800 subscribers. Um, over there we really do appreciate your support through this season it's not been great on the pitch but we've enjoyed making this content off the pitch Um, and we're so glad that so many of you have also enjoyed it so thank you again for listening watching and we'll catch you next week